the way you feel about Elon Musk may depend on whether or not you're an endangered tree frog or not. Coming up on the Anti-Woke Podcast. The latest What Next podcast is talking about Elon Musk. I like following Elon Musk stuff, so I might just do a podcast here to at least... You know, so I remember the information. If you don't, if you're not interested in Elon Musk, just skip this one. But so apparently, in his early 20s, Musk uh, started a comp- an internet company called Zip2. He started it with his brother, and it was some sort of like restaurant guide for newspapers, but using the internet somehow. And apparently, he was known for yelling at his employees and firing them. He was kind of a tough boss to work for and then he sold zip2 and he started his second company x.com and so x.com was an early online bank and i guess most importantly it merged with some other company and that was what became paypal i've talked about the paypal mafia but there's a bunch of people who are super rich because they were there early uh on paypal and those guys all became rich because ebay bought PayPal. And so Elon took his money and that's when he started Tesla and, well, not exactly, but anyways, he put his money into Tesla and SpaceX. Tesla, he actually bought from someone. Like someone had a little company called Tesla that had made like uh, a demonstration car. I don't know. They made like one car or something and Elon Musk got in early. Um, The previous CEO of Tesla is like hates Elon Musk and says that Elon Musk stole Tesla from him. Elon Musk, you know, says that he started Tesla, whatever, there's a bunch of ill will at the beginning of Tesla. Although, you know, by the time Musk took Tesla over, it was a teeny, teeny company that, you know, no one had any idea that that would be a big company later on. When he took it over, it was teeny, absolutely teeny. I think it never sold a car. And then SpaceX, I think he, he actually did start that one. And, you know, those companies kind of have a, they kind of have a mantra or whatever, a reason for existing that's supposedly higher than just being a company that makes money, which is Tesla is supposed to save the world from climate change, you know? So now when you buy a Tesla, when you're, when you're a rich person buying one of the early $120,000 Teslas, you're not just buying an insanely fast car for 120 grand. You're helping to save the planet from climate change. And SpaceX, obviously, is like, we're going to the moon, we're going to Mars, this is amazing, we're going to, whatever, the the future, science fiction future is here. I will say, I think, you know, I think Google, they're like, whatever, we're going to give information to every person on the planet. So they had a big idea. Facebook was like, oh, this is going (laughs) to stop all the world's problems because people will be able to communicate. They didn't, they didn't realize that actually social media was going to make people hate each other. They thought it was going to make people love each other. But anyways, lots of companies had these big ideas back then. And so why are Elon Musk's companies like so successful? So we got this expert on there. He's talking about some reasons why. And some of it's right place at the right time. Like the space industry, whatever, it wasn't going well. People who worked in the space industry were not like happy and like, yeah, the space, this, yeah, we're going to build rockets and this is going to be awesome. They're like, this sucks. Nothing has changed in 30 years. You know, the best thing we ever did was, you know, we went to the moon in 72 and we haven't done a damn thing since. And so when Musk started SpaceX and he's like, all right, we're building a rocket. We're going to the moon. We're going to Mars. Basically all the the best and the brightest and the smartest and the most dedicated people in the space industry were like, sweet, we want to work for you. We're We're tired of this whole crap. 
we want to we want to try that you know we want to shoot for the moon let's let's do it and i guess also i mean basically like you know companies you know they they it's the employees right how good of employees do you have so that's how we got super good employees for spacex and then for tesla yeah he's building a car and it's electric so that's interesting but it's also like a computer it's like half car half computer like i've been watching videos on youtube of the tesla cars driving themselves like you know people just own a tesla will just make a video of the car driving itself and it it is getting good like in the last three months it has gotten way better so i mean it's pretty crazy the computer part but in any case this experts his example is like you know you're you're the best you're the brightest you just got out of college you can go to facebook and work on some sort of advertising algorithm or you can work on a car that drives itself and so a lot of people are like wow that sounds a lot more exciting and interesting to work on a car that drives itself and so he got a lot of really good employees that way too and you know if your employees believe in what you're doing they'll work harder or at least longer they'll work hard you know whatever yeah they will they'll put in the time required you know hard work usually is just long work and elon musk is in the news lately because he said for tesla he said you can, you can work from home, but every single employee has to put in at least 40 hours in person in the office. And then if you want to go do some more work on top of the 40 hours, you can do that part from home. And so Elon Musk himself is, he's known, he's famously known for working insanely long hours. Like, he's always tweeting on Twitter, so you know, he'll be like, here's my couch. You know, I'm going to bed. He'll, he'll tweet at like 2 a.m. All right, going to sleep on the couch in my office. And then, you know... And then he'll be like back at work at 6 a.m. or whatever. And so, you know, I guess that makes it a little better. It's like, you know, hey, employees, you all got to work 80-hour weeks. But I'm doing 100, so, you know, suck it up. And I was listening to Scott Adams. He was talking about the long hours. And he was saying, it's like, you know, if you tell me there's a company where the CEO works 100 hours a week and all the employees are working like dogs all day long, he's like, that is not a company that I want to go work for. But... That is a company that I want to buy stock in. I'm just going to play a clip from the What Next podcast uh, about how Elon Musk runs his companies. Uh, This guy says it better than me. Elon is known for not being the world's easiest boss. How would you describe his work style? Frenetic. Uh, (laughs) Sort of impossible to imagine. Elon's modus operandi at at both companies is really to go after what he calls the critical path, which is the, this is less day-to-day operations and it's more the single most important thing that is blocking the company from achieving its goals at any one time. And that's where Elon tends to devote most, most of his energy. And so, so this could be, this could be, a problem with SpaceX's engines. And and it's like, you know, we just cannot get the rocket to the next stage until we've solved this engine problem. Then Elon goes and he assembles a team of people and he just stays on them night and day until they solve this. It's a horrible place to be, but people will tell you Elon will free up any amount of money and humans that you say you need to, to solve this problem. Um, you know, and and so I think at SpaceX, he's been able to move from problem to problem to problem a bit more quickly. Tesla's had these enormous problems where 
like with the Model 3, everyone saw they had this tent factory and they couldn't make the car. I mean, they, they could not, the factory was broken. They couldn't make this car that was essential to the company's survival. And so that is the critical path. And Elon was there for months, right? It obviously talks about sleeping on the floor and, and all that stuff. Um, and, and so sometimes this is a short-lived thing and then sometimes it's this multi-month thing where you have elon musk breathing over your shoulder for months until you get this factory working so you know woke people hate elon musk and so they like to talk about uh there's been some sexism lawsuits and racism lawsuits at a company i think mostly at tesla that uh whatever i think the people have won tesla has lost the people have won it may still be ongoing I mean, don't quote me on this, but I think, like, the big racism one, I mean, they, they won, like, $15 million or something, although it's going to appeal, but uh, the guy's like, dude, people were calling me the N-word, some black guy's like, people are calling me the N-word a hundred times a day, and I was like, holy crap, and I believe the answer was, it was other black people, you know, N-I-G-G-A, not, ain't no hard R on there. But if any of my dear listeners are black, and you work at a place with other black people where they use a friendly N-I-G-G-A here and there, you might be able to sue the company for racism on that one. So, something to keep an eye on. As I mentioned in a previous podcast, an Obi-Wan Kenobi, the black girl there, she's like, people are calling me the N-word. And it was some black person saying N-I-G-G-A to her. But anyway, apparently someone asked Elon about it once, and he said something that's pretty crazy. He said, if anyone says anything racist to someone else, they should apologize. And then the other person should accept that apology. And I guess I should include, there was the, there's a story, recent story about where he was, he was personally involved in some sexually harassing where we don't know exactly the story, but that he showed his penis to a flight attendant slash masseuse that worked for his company. And he's like, would you like to have sex? And she was like, no. And then he gave her a quarter million dollars as an apology. And, you know, so sexual harassment, it's not okay. Uh, usually sexual harassment, it happens many, many times, and there's nothing you can do about it. That's the reason why it's really not okay. But, like, it would be the greatest day of my life if Elon Musk showed me his penis and then apologized with a quarter million dollars. That would be the best thing that ever happened to me. And I guess if I was a woman, it would be much more traumatic. But still, I think even for I think for that lady, that probably is... Just about the best thing that ever happened to her. Or maybe I don't know shit and she's like in a dark room in the corner shivering to this day. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how small his hog is. And then of course more recently he's talked about buying Twitter. May not happen. But whatever. I think, you know, because he's like, I'm going to start an electric car company and solve climate change. I think people always thought he was on the left. You know, they didn't know his politics. They're like, oh, he must be a lefty if he's solving climate change. And apparently, like, Texas, you can't buy a Tesla car in Texas, even though he's moved the, um, <laughs> the headquarters there. And Mitt Romney, when he was debating Obama, he's like, you're stupid. You're, you're, you're giving money to horseshit green energy companies because you think climate change is real. You're giving it to companies like Tesla. So apparently people on the right were not fond of Elon Musk and Tesla back in the day. But since he's decided to buy Twitter, he's been saying a bunch of other stuff in there. Like, I ain't going to vote for Democrats anymore. They've gotten too mean. And so now it's more people on the right who like him. 
or whatever. Anti-woke, I mean, I don't know. You know, is it woke versus anti-woke or is it right versus left? I'm not sure. And so we'll just see where this new kind of public persona perception thing changes. If it changes anything for him, um, like, you know, was it whatever, hippies. Hippies were buying Teslas because they wanted to save the environment. And now when they stop buying them, no one's going to want a Tesla. I mean, probably not. The thing about Teslas is they can't make enough of them to supply the need. So there probably are some woke people who are like, I ain't going to, you know, changing their mind and decide not to buy a Tesla. But um, I don't think it's so many people that they won't be able to sell all their cars and still not be able to supply the demand. But, I mean, that's that's pretty much all the politics stuff about Elon. But I want to talk about the the Tesla gigafactories and gigapresses a little bit because they're interesting. So what Elon says is, he says it's, it's not hard to build an electric car. Like there's a whole bunch, you know, ever since Tesla's making, you know, got worth a trillion dollars, there's like 10 startup companies and they've all built like at least one electric car. But according to him, you're not building electric cars. What you're building, what Tesla builds is factories that make electric cars. And that's the hard thing to build is the factory. I think like Rivian, Rivian makes a truck and they're kind of the biggest startup that's whatever, made any cars at all. I think they made like a thousand trucks. So whatever, it's hard and they're struggling. They, they, they've been trying for years and they finally made a thousand trucks, you know, but if you really want to imp impact the market, you got to be making hundreds of thousands of trucks. But so he's making these, so Tesla's made these gigafactories, just means a giant factory. And they got one, they built one in China. They built one in Texas, and they built one in Germany. And the China one, like, flew together. They're just like, they started pouring concrete, they put up some walls, boom, they're building cars. The one in Germany has taken them years, and just, like, every time they try and do something, they're like, up, oh, there's an endangered tree frog, you can't, we got, we got to do a six-month environmental study, so they still haven't built a car in Germany at all. And then Texas is in between, and I think they maybe just started having cars come off the assembly line in Texas. But basically, getting those three factories built up and running, like that's been the that like that's the thing, you know, is Tesla going to succeed wildly? Well, if they can get these giant factories up and running and it looks like now finally they're getting close to having them up and running. They got one, they got one and a half, one and a half out of the three up and running. And I think that was a lot of the time. A lot of the time and energy Elon had was devoted to getting those factories to work. And I think basically once they're working, he's like, oh, now I'm looking for something else to do. Twitter. How about that? I got some time for Twitter now. And then I want to talk about the gigapress. So like Tesla is, they're starting from nothing so they can do it however they want. Like, you know, Ford has got factories that were built 100 years ago and they've got people that have worked there 100 years and they got contracts that came from 100 years ago. And it's, it's hard, you know, it's hard to turn the battleship around on a dime. But so kind of the holy grail for car manufacturing is die-cast parts. So like instead of your car being made from a thousand parts, each one of them which has to be like screw, you know, you screw this to, you screw part A to part B, and then you bolt part B to part C, and then you wire part C to part D, and you know, you do that a thousand times, and now you got a car. The better way to do it, at least according to Elon Musk, is you do die cast parts. So they just, they have a giant press. Like it's really hard to make, you know, like a die, what's, what's an example of a die cast thing? Like a, maybe a, well, hell, like a matchbox car. You know, like the top part of a matchbox car is metal. Well, that thing's die cast. And the way a die cast press works 
is you take molten metal and then you take like hydraulic rams and you push the molten metal in super hard into the little form and then it cools down and you got your piece of metal in the shape that you want. And so Tesla's got these things they call gigapresses and they're the size of a, they're the size of a giant building. But what they are is just a whole bunch of giant hydraulic rams. I mean, hydraulic rams the size of tree trunks and they press the molten aluminum into the shape of whatever part of the car it's not doing the whole car i think they're trying to get the frame down to three parts so it's just gonna be there's gonna be the front part and in the middle goes the battery part and in the back goes the back part so just it's like three chunks you know and so whatever however many bolts and screws it takes to connect three things and boom there's your whole frame and everything and so basically making your car like that it's a better car. It makes for a better car. It's stronger. It's stiffer. It gives a better ride. But also, it just it involves less people. It less, it, it's less time and money. Like, there isn't a bunch of people and robots, you know, assembling a bunch of little crap. It's just like, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. We got half the car built. And so, the battery part of the cars is expensive, but it kind of has this idea of revolutionizing the way that cars are made so it might keep the price down and then other manufacturers are going to have to copy this and you know lower the prices of their cars yeah, anyways there you go blah 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 twitter handle at anti-woke podcast and thanks for listening